We want to take our ministry and our resources to uh, indigenous people and give them the tools they need in media and healthcare to reach their own people with the gospel. So we've moved from a doing ministry to an equipping ministry, and it's working. Our guest this week is Wayne Peterson of Reach Beyond. Welcome to First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Reach Beyond is the new name of the longtime ministry known as HCJB Global, where Wayne Peterson serves as president. You'll meet him and hear his story in just a moment. Thanks for joining us once again for this edition of First Person. We're here each week at this time featuring the stories of people who have given their lives to Jesus Christ and His service on behalf of God's kingdom. You'll find us online at firstpersoninterview.com and at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Well, many of you know today's guest. For some of you, you've heard his voice on radio for over 40 years. Today, Wayne Peterson is the president of Reach Beyond, but just a few months ago, his dear wife Norma was taken home to heaven by our father. Wayne and I have been friends for many, many years, so when he came through Chicago recently, we sat down to talk about his ministry. We talked about his grief following Norma's death and his joy in the assurance of God's care, even in difficult times. We started by talking about Norma. We were married uh, 45, almost 46 years. I didn't realize it's been that long. And I'm trying to focus on the joys of the 45 years we had rather than, you know, what years we may have been deprived of. We just, our marriage was a wonderful adventure. We were best friends of each other Mm -hmm. and travel companions, prayer partners. So it's a big, big change. Through the years, as our lives have intersected on special events, I don't think I ever saw you without seeing Norma at your side. Well, we were such a team, and when I would be meeting or speaking or whatever, she'd be talking to the spouse of the missionary or the person doing the cleaning. She had this unique ability to connect with people that you know were sometimes ignored <laughs> in a situation like that. And she was such a good listener that people would pour their hearts out to her, and they felt they had made a friend. So yeah. she had that unique ability to connect with people that was a great asset. I think that's true with so many wives. It seems like they're almost in cahoots with the Holy Spirit, yeah. doesn't it? I mean, they're, they're kind of like the uh, the voice of God in our life sometimes. So. Well, I remember what Joe Stoll used to say about that. People would ask him, do you ever hear God's voice? And he says, yes, and it sounds a lot like Marty. <laughs> and I think we could all say uh, that, you know, the ideal in a marriage is have a spouse, a helper that can come. And, uh, and I miss that, that yeah. say, Wayne, yeah. you know, yeah. maybe you should think about this or maybe you shouldn't do that. I relied so much on her counsel Mm. and her quiet, humble, godly wisdom. But you're okay to talk about it? Yeah, I'm fine. It's been, uh, well, number one, it's cathartic and uh, therapeutic. And also I find it's a great encouragement to people to hear that when the worst thing you could possibly imagine happens to you, that God is there in the valley. And it's Mm -hmm. a great encouragement to Mm -hmm. people. What you've been talking about and preaching on and talking on the radio about all these years is true. Well, I have a pastor friend in Cape Town, South Africa, that went through a very, very serious medical situation, and he said, this is a time for us to really rely on what we've believed and taught all these years. And as C.S. Lewis said in his Grief Observed, he said, uh, you know, that... uh, these are times that we try the truths that we believe in the valley. Do we believe it or don't we believe it? And you come out of the other end and says, what else is there? Like Peter said, uh, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Show me something better the world or another religion offers, but uh, there's nothing like 
the sure hope and the confidence that uh, Jesus Christ gives us and his redemption of our bodies and his future plan for ourselves, for the globe, and for the cosmos. I've been so touched uh, these last few months since Norma's homegoing to see the pictures of your family, your daughters, and your grandchildren. How are they doing? Especially the grandchildren. I mean, I... I, I can remember what it was like to, to lose a, a mm. precious grandparent, and uh, I'm sure they feel that very keenly. They do. I have two daughters, and Christy, the oldest, is very sentimental, and she cries very easily. And uh, she's, uh, you know, she wears her emotions on her sleeve. My younger daughter grieves very differently. Yes, this is tough. This is hard, but we got to get through this and continue on. They're both grieving, but each in their own way, and everyone grieves differently yeah. at the death of a loved one. Yeah. You never get over it. You don't. And, uh, you know, in the last few months, I've had enough contact with other single again type of people that have given me great counsel along the way on what to expect. And and uh, that's been very good counsel. The grandkids uh, each grieve in their own way, too. And this has been a very teachable moment. I especially remember one night I sat at the dining room table with uh, the four of the grandchildren. We started talking about Grandma and about where she is in God's presence and about the resurrection and what will happen to all of us when we leave this life. And God will give us new bodies and we will be with him forever. And for an hour, we sat around the table and just talked about Jesus and Norma and death and resurrection and heaven. It was a great great moment. Tell the story about the food bank and the almost party you put together. Well, it was interesting. We wanted to do something special on our Norma's first birthday without Norma. And uh, actually, it was my daughter that had this idea, let's do something that Norma would like. So we went to uh, Feed My Starving Children assembly line. And the nine grandkids and the two daughters and two sons-in-law and I spent about two hours packing food that would be sent to Guatemala. And it was, a, it was something that Norma would have loved because she had a heart of compassion for impoverished people. And so that was the way we celebrated Norma's birthday, by doing something for others. And the grandkids really got into yeah, it, and they it was would, a right? very memorable night. Yeah, well, I remember seeing some photos from that on Facebook, and it was very moving. As we have this conversation, some months have gone by for you, and you're still grieving. You always will in many ways. But for someone else listening right now, it's real fresh. Maybe they've just lost a loved one. What was that like in those hours and those days after that you could pass on uh, uh, what you learned? Well, we were there at Norma's passing. She passed away in our living room in Colorado Springs, and my two daughters and I were there. And as it was obvious, the time was uh, coming. We held hands with Norma. We told her we loved her. We quoted scripture, John chapter 11 and Psalm 23. And finally, we said, uh, Norma, we release you from this broken world into the presence of Jesus. And she passed. And it was a very Mm -hmm. holy, precious moment to see her leave her earthly tent, Mm -hmm. as Paul said, Mm -hmm. and be transported into God's presence. Um, The board was very generous with me. My board at Reach Beyond gave me time off, gave me a leave. So I took three weeks just to be with family and friends and be alone. Uh, and it was, it's a balance of being with people. And was that alone. hard or therapeutic to be it alone? It was therapeutic. I, I even got to the point, this sounds really strange maybe, but one night I was walking. It was late at night, summer, June evening in Minnesota, full moon, and I was walking. And this came out of my mouth as I was talking to the Lord. Lord, thank you for the gift of solitude. Mm. 
And I said, it's not a gift that I would have asked for or desired, but these precious quiet moments with you on a beautiful moonlight evening and just being alone with the Lord was good. So I think for anybody going through a grief, you shouldn't just sequester yourself and sit and mope and pout, but you should embrace grief and face it and not avoid it. Uh, you should spend time with people that will build you up and care about you with friends and family, but also take time to be alone and process things. Uh, I have Norma's beautiful picture on the buffet in our dining room, and I look at it. I talk to her. And uh, and the, the solitude time gives you time with the Lord, and I've felt God's powerful presence uh, there's this song that's out there now called Blessings. Could yes. it be yeah. that God's greatest blessings come through the trials that mm-hmm. he sends? Laura Story song. Laura yeah. Story song. And it's true. In the deepest tragedy, I mean, imagine the worst thing that could ever happen to me was losing Norma. And yet through that deep trial, God has been there in marvelous ways I can't even explain. Hmm. When did you meet her? Well, we met in uh, high school. I mean, we grew up in the same farm community, so we knew each other since grade school. But we really got— Up in Minnesota. T- up in Minnesota, northern Minnesota, small rural community. And uh, we had vacation Bible school together and youth group together. And uh, one night we were standing under a maple tree at Maple Lake, and she was talking. And uh-oh, said, uh-oh, here and we go. <laughs> here we go. And uh, I said, this— girl is an amazing conversationalist. And I teased her. She didn't stop talking ever since. But we made that connection at that time, got to be friends for a year and going to class together. And it was when I was a senior in high school that we started dating. And uh, we just just clicked. And it's just a wonderful Mm -hmm. relationship. And Mm -hmm. so we married when I was a senior in college. And uh, when I was working at KTIS in Minneapolis, that all happened. So we were married for almost 46 years, but we dated for four years, so half a century. How about that? What were or what is a highlight of, the, of that, that 46 years together that will always be with you? Well, I think the highlight would have to be, and it's probably a series of highlights most recently, having the opportunity to travel around the world to places like Africa, Asia, South America, and see God at work in the hearts of people that are embracing Jesus for the first time. As Norma enjoyed going with you Norma on those trips. Was, the board encouraged Norma to travel with me, and she did. And and the adventure of visiting exotic but difficult places like Nepal, for example, and uh, Ghana, Africa. Uh, these are places that are impoverished and very needy, but the quality of the people and the experiences we've had traveling together, it's not just one experience, but that's been the highlight. We had this great adventure these last five years that I am so thankful for. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's how I first met you was uh, really, I mean, we knew each other, but it was really during the Amsterdam conferences that we got to know each other. And I saw your heart for the world open up at that conference. Well, for both of us, Wayne, I think that was, even though we were working for Christian Ministries, you at Moody and me at Northwestern, to be exposed to that cross-cultural experience in Amsterdam with thousands of evangelists from around the world gathered together with a common love for the Lord. 
uh, that was a life-changing experience for both of us. And uh, remember, we did the Wayne and Wayne show, <laughs> trying to convey. How could I forget? This, right. Uh, we, we, we co-anchored, didn't we, from Amsterdam? That was that was a great experience. So for we were forever friends after that. Yeah, two networks coming together with two anchors by the name of Wayne. Yeah, so, that was go great. figure. And then we ended up working together at Moody for a short time. But uh, yeah, that Amsterdam experiences, both Amsterdam events were a time that opened my eyes to what God is doing around the world. We'll continue talking with Wayne Peterson of Reach Beyond about his ministry today, here on First Person. Next time, a very personal conversation with Anne Graham Lotz. I want to be a, a wonderful caregiver to my husband. I want to be a wonderful daughter to my father. And I want to be a, a servant of Jesus that lives with no regrets. I want to live my life for Him so that when I see Him, I'm not ashamed. We will talk about life's journey and the hope of heaven. Anne Graham Lotz, next time you join us for First Person. My guest today, my good friend Wayne Peterson, the president and CEO of Reach Beyond. You may know it in the past as HCJB World Radio. Reach Beyond, I like the new name. Well, it's been good for us because what started out as our call letters of a radio station we started in Quito, Ecuador, 83 years ago. And now we have expanded to work in 100 countries and five continents around the world. HCJB didn't tell the story. Yeah. Heralding Christ Jesus blessings. And right? we still are. Heralding <laughs> Christ Jesus blessings from HCJB. Actually, the call letters like radio stations in the U.S. are K or W. w. Uh-huh. Uh, Radio stations in Ecuador are HC. So that's where Clarence Jones uh, assigned that acronym, Heralding Christ Jesus Blessings. But as we uh, have expanded around the world, uh, our goal, our spiritual and missionary DNA is to reach places where the gospel has not gone. Mm-hmm. Our priority is places that are less than 2% Christian. So we're always reaching beyond where the gospel has gone, reaching outside of our comfort zone to places that are actually dangerous to spread the gospel. But this is what God has called us to do. So Clarence Jones founded HCJB, now called Reach Beyond in Ecuador, a shortwave radio station. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you recall, this goes back many years now, you and I were on a trip together. I, yes. I, I think you may have been with Northwestern at the time. I was. I was. And I was with Moody, and mm-hmm. we happened to be on the same bus together. Again, mm-hmm. Norma was with you. Yeah. Uh, and we we toured HCJB in Quito, Ecuador, and we went to PIFO, the uh, yes. shortwave site at the time, and got the bus stuck in the mud. Mm-hmm. And do you remember? I, I do remember Little did we that. know that, that you someday would become the president of that very same organization. And uh, we've done several projects for... HCJB over the years, helping with their satellite project in Latin America, their satellite project in uh, Russia. And so we did have those uh, tie-ins. And while I was at Moody on the staff there, I was on the board of HCJB. And uh, when the president stepped down, they asked me to become president. So you know, one of the advantages, Wayne, of growing older, you can look back and see God's threat in your yeah. life. It may be the only advantage. But... Yeah, well, yeah, there, there are probably uh, not many. But uh, to, to see God's hand and how he, the cumulative experiences, Amsterdam, that trip to yeah. Quito, I'm feeling, Wayne, that this is like the pinnacle of my life as mm-hmm. far as using my radio knowledge mm-hmm. and my contacts mm-hmm. 
to spread the gospel where it's never gone before. Yeah. And to realize with the mega shift in the church today, 100 years ago, 90% of believers lived in North America and Europe. And today, over two-thirds of the believers live in Asia, Africa, and South America. Well, I think you're living a living example of what Bob Beale talks about. He says that a man reaches the pinnacle of his influence in his 60s. Now, I don't want to give away your age, but you're in your 60s, right? I am, yes. All right. So, yes. you're at the I mean, God is using you to contribute. Talk more about Reach Beyond today. What uh, you've recently re- uh, written this book, Reach Beyond: Comfort, Courage, and the Cause of Christ, and people can read about it on the website. But tell me more about Reach Beyond, what your vision, what your goal is now. Well, 20 years ago when we uh, realized that Latin America was pretty much a reached country with a strong indigenous church, we d- we saw that there were needs and opportunities in other parts of the world. So we began to set up regions. We've got our Asia-Pacific region, our Latin America region, Sub-Saharan Africa, North Africa, Middle East, and Europe, Eurasia. And so we have... Uh, tried to spread what we learned and gleaned in Latin America and take the gospel to difficult places like Thailand, Nepal, Indonesia, North Africa, the Central Asia countries. And uh, we call ourselves the voice and hands of Jesus together. Uh, Matthew 9, 35 and 36 says, Jesus had compassion on the people. He went to the villages teaching about the kingdom and healing all kinds of diseases. So we want to take our ministry and our resources to uh, indigenous people and give them the tools they need in media and healthcare to reach their own people with the gospel. And so it's not so much sending missionaries to those countries, but equipping partners that are already there that know the language and know the culture. So we've moved from a doing ministry to an equipping ministry, equipping the nationals to reach their peers with the gospel, and it's working. Um, All right, so when you bump into someone who doesn't know about Reach Beyond, how do you succinctly describe what you do today? Uh, We're an international media and healthcare ministry that goes to some of the least reached places of the world to be the voice and hands of Jesus, demonstrating and declaring God's love. We're grateful for Reach Beyond, and I'm grateful that you have a larger vision in cooperating with other ministries around the world. Now, most people may not realize there are three really main organizations that fit the genre of what you Mm do, although it's changing a little bit. Uh, There was HCJB, now Reach Beyond, uh, Trans World Radio, and Far East Broadcasting Company. Most people probably don't realize that all three of these organizations cooperate and and are f- the leaders you and the other men leading these organizations are are close friends. We are close friends and we meet together a couple of times a year to collaborate, coordinate, find out what's going on, pray for each other. Uh, we can pick up the phone and and call these guys at any moment. There are projects that we're working on together. Uh, we're not competitive in any way. We're collaborative. How, how could you be in the kingdom, right? Well, right. absolutely. And there's uh, there's plenty of people around the world to reach, and we need all the resources we can. So it's really a beautiful thing to see how these three large organizations are working together cooperatively and mm-hmm. collaboratively mm-hmm. with uh, with the same ends to reach people that don't know Jesus today. You also uh, think and write about the topic of leadership, Wayne. What are what are some things you're going through your mind about leadership these days? Well, I, th- I think it's changing a lot because I used to think that the leader had to be the fount of all knowledge and wisdom and strategy. I'm finding that the role of the leader is more to be a collaborator and a coordinator. A facilitator. A facilitator mm-hmm. of the wisdom 
of the team. I've got a wonderful team that knows far more about cross-cultural ministry than I could ever do. But a leader needs to pull them together and help uh, help bring the vision together in a way that can be meaningfully communicated throughout the organization and through the rest of the world. So I'm a facilitator of that internally and externally, and fortunately I have a good team that has the, the skill set, and I, I'm just the one that kind of brings it together. And I feel that God has gifted me in, uh, to communicate this to the world at large. I know you travel a great deal in these countries where there's ministry activity. Talk about a recent trip and what you learned and what you saw uh, as an example of this cooperative leadership. My most uh, recent trip, just a couple of weeks ago, so that's the one I'll use, we visited a radio station in Ghana in a heavily Muslim area, and we helped start that station four years ago. And when we were there, we prayed in a room, bare walls, no equipment, in the backyard where there was grass, no tower. And today, that radio station is broadcasting in six languages to a heavily Muslim part of the world, hmm. doing great. Uh, in the same trip, I visited a tiny village that is covered by another radio station we planted in the jungles of Africa. And in this community, they first showed me the pond, the brown pond from which they were getting their mm-hmm. drinking water, yeah. their cleaning, their cooking. You've seen some of that. Mm-hmm. And then took them to a new well that our community development people put in, and they pumped the pump, and beautiful, clean, cool water came mm-hmm. out. And then visited the latrines, so people were using latrines instead of just stopping mm-hmm. in the bush in mm-hmm. any place. And then with a pastor that was bringing recordings of the New Testament and playing for the Bible listening clubs and seeing how combination of radio, water, latrines, hygiene and sanitation, and Bible listening clubs changes a community overnight. And it is so gratifying to see the chief of the village gathered with the elders thanking us for coming in. And we had one experience a couple of years ago where the chief came up to us after we put in a water and he said, in the last year since you were here, nobody's died. Oh, boy. How rewarding, huh? It really is. Yeah, very nice. What a privilege to be involved in something that is changing lives and changing communities to the glory of God. Wayne, last question today. What scripture is really impacting your life right now? One that I've been leaning on very heavily. I guess I have to use two, Wayne. Okay. Uh, is one is uh, Isaiah 41.10, just relating to Norma's passing. So do not be afraid, for I am with you. Mm. Do not be dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And that verse has really sustained me. And the second one from the New Testament, from 2 Corinthians 4, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Today's conversation with Wayne Peterson will be available in the audio archive of our website where you can listen again or share the link with others who would benefit from the interview. You'll find it at the website firstpersoninterview.com. We'll also place additional information and a link to Reach Beyond at the same site where you can learn more about Wayne's book entitled Reach Beyond, Comfort, Courage, and the Cause of Christ. Just visit firstpersoninterview.com. 
And to leave a comment on today's program, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Again, that's facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Next week, our guest will be Ann Graham Lotz, the daughter of Dr. Billy and Ruth Graham. Ann will talk about her life today with a husband who is ill, while at the same time, her father, who is 95, needs care. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. I hope you'll join us again next time for First Person. 